Hello, and welcome to Great Takes Less Filling by The Daily Gopher. I'm Chris, go away you fur. With me this week is Steve, Sips of Akron. Hey, how we doing? And you, Street. Hey, y'all. Steve, I think this is the first time we've been on a podcast together in quite a long-ass time. You've obviously, you know, you picked up the slack for me when I was uh, away, but uh, welcome to actually talking in the same time. Uh, on things that record you know you've been in india i've been getting married there's a lot of uh, overlap of life events and we just have not been in the same um online chat room if you want to call it that in a while (laughs) i don't want to take this podcast too far away Uh, for the listeners we're just going to talk about men's basketball here in a second but i would like to note that if we had someone time travel forward from like 2004 the phrase that just happened from both of you would make absolutely no sense. Some things just never change. And that's like not that long ago. Like Chris, I think you were in India for a longer period of time than that. <laughs> it was good. I liked being away from the world that I know. Although it did, you know, cost me. I didn't really get to watch the, uh, uh, Outback Bowl until like you know, two weeks after I got back, but that was okay. I caught up over Slack at some point during the middle of my trip. It was a, it was a good win, uh, not as good of a win in that it was of course a loss, Minnesota against Penn State. Uh, <laughs> but I wanna I wanna highlight something before we we throw to Steve to give an in depth preview of the upcoming game against uh, Iowa is that uh, Minnesota scored over 40 points in the last 13 minutes of a game and lost by six. And if there isn't a better description of a bubble team, I don't know what it would be. Let that be a lesson to never get down to your opponent by 19 points, because even if you score 40 points in 13 minutes, you still won't win the game. Absolutely ridiculous. Also, just as a minor note, Daniel Oturo and Marcus Carr for the second game of the season against Penn State had over 50 points, but apparently that no longer means that you automatically win, which has been true in every other game this season for which the two of them have combined for at least 50 points. It's really, it's really, really frustrating to know that at any given point, they really just need one other person, any other person to step up to the level that that player is capable of. Gabe, Willis, it doesn't matter. Just somebody else besides Carr and besides Oturo needs to come to play at an, on any given night, and things will be fine. It's like, it's like the Beatles, but instead of George Harrison showing up, it's Ringo Starr, always. It's always Ringo Starr. So before we get into a uh, basketball talk real quick, Chris, I wanted to get your thoughts on um, the Minnesota Cal game in 2028. Well, I am super excited about the Minnesota Cal game in 2028. I'll be way older than I am now, which doesn't seem exciting, but I will be getting to watch a game in Cal Berkeley, something I meant to do in 2006 and then, you know, didn't do. So uh, unfortunately, um, I don't know. Will that stadium still be standing or will have an earthquake have taken that thing out? I deeply hope that it will still be standing in, in 2028. Though if it is taken out, it will not be likely taken out by an earthquake. It will be taken out because somehow Cal's uh, finance 
is are so uh, garbage that they sold off the copper. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> Squatters moving into Memorial. Because their stadium is Memorial Stadium, right? That is correct. Cal's uh, stadium is Memorial Stadium. It is not a particularly interesting stadium to watch a football game from. Uh, you can watch for free. There's a hill that overlooks it. And so that's sort of like tightwad hill if you want to. Uh, the views are not appreciably worse than they are in the stadium. And at least historically, the product has been quite bad. So why you'd want to watch in general is unclear. Wait, is it really known as tightwad hill? Uh, yeah, I think there is, it is known that if we're being a sort of not mature, explicit podcast, it has some other names. <laughs> I mean- as well, I mean, but yes, Tightwad Hill would be the the kind of generic name that's that's thrown out for it. And similarly, there is a place called the Greek Theater, which is an outdoor concert venue where sort of a big concert act would go through. And in a similar vein, you can sort of stay above the Greek Theater and sort of hear the concert for free, or you can pay a lot more money to go inside. Is that the theater that they were referencing in the? Uh, uh famous get him get get him to the greek movie with uh actors whose names russell brand and whoever jonah hill and p diddy and i believe that greek theater is in los angeles Uh, i think for some reason the greek theater is a moniker that refers to a variety of different ones the fillmore would be uh the concert venue that would be most known for the bay area and that's in san francisco which is on the other side of the bay from berkeley all right all right, so I suppose this is the point where we actually talk about basketball. This is clearly a bubble team, as already noted. This bubble team plays the very disliked squawky birds of Pig Shit Hill, otherwise known as the <laughs> Iowa Hawkeyes. Uh, and, I mean, I don't know, Steve, that, that last game didn't go so well against Iowa. What are we What are we looking for Minnesota to do uh, when the when they face uh, the Hawkeyes at home in Williams Arena? So you're right that uh, the last game was at Carver Hawkeye, December 9th. So about two months ago, a little more than two months ago, I feel like that was one of the big turning points of the season. Because after that, sorry, after that loss, it seemed like wow, maybe this team just isn't very good. They just got boat raced by Iowa by 20. They're coming off a bad loss to DePaul. It really didn't seem like they could beat anyone of substance. But they turn around and beat a then number two, number three team in the nation in Ohio State, and things were kind of off to the races, and the season made a slight turn um, for the better. Now, again, that was two months ago. Um, Had some good wins under their belt since then, and now we're facing Iowa again at home. And if I recall correctly, and Alex, correct me if I'm wrong, but um, that loss felt to me more like Minnesota missing all of their shots rather than Iowa winning that game. And I guess if you asked an Iowa fan, they probably would say, yeah, we dominated the Gophers. But I seem to remember um, that game going terribly poorly for the Gophers from the field. Um, I got the box score pulled up here, and uh, yes, memory does serve correctly. Marcus Carr and Gabe Kalisher combined to go one for 20 from the field. One for Michael 20. Hurt made more threes in that game than Gabe Kalsher. Admittedly, it was a three, but nonetheless, Michael Hurt had more three-point makes. It wasn't good. Um, and you add in Peyton Willis there. I remember. This, no, now I'm getting all the uh, all the all the the fun memories. But 
Willis was two for nine. So between your three guards, you had three made field goals out of 29 shots. You're not going to win any games there. And it's funny because Oturu was so efficient from the field that game, 10 of 12 from the field, that he actually salvaged a decent field goal percentage for the team, relatively speaking. Um, But it was a disaster. Uh, I feel like the Gophers have turned around a little bit, but we're still seeing shades of that inefficiency at times, most notably Penn State, uh, most notably Illinois, most notably Michigan State. Um, I tweeted about this during the Penn State disaster, but this team has two speeds, complete dominance and complete suck. And there is no in between. And as Alex alluded to, you can score 40 points in 13 minutes, and you can also go one of 20 between your two guards in a game against Iowa. So for level setting a little bit, um, yes, they're at home. They play a lot better at home than they do on the road. I can't remember the last time they actually shot well on the road anymore, Um, but it hasn't been good. So at least uh, from that standpoint, we're thinking maybe this is a game they can win. Um, Iowa's got a great offense. Their defense is suspect. They just got destroyed by Purdue a couple games ago. And as of this recording right now, they're getting destroyed by Indiana. Um, They can be beaten. They don't play terribly well on the road. Um, There's a shot for sure. And I guess at the end of the day, it kind of looks looks like which gopher team is going to come to play, the one that shoots well and actually wins games by a comfortable margin or the team that shoots poorly and gets beaten by 20 points. Is this pretty much a, a must-win if they want to make the NCAA tournament, or what, what's your feeling on that street? It is almost a must-win. I'm going to say it's a must-win in the sense that the the math gets really hard, and the math is already really tight. The loss to Penn State hurt their tournament prospects for two reasons. The first reason it hurt them is that Minnesota does not actually have a good road win, and while we're not totally sure exactly how the net's going to play out, uh, Penn State was a quad one, like a huge quad one win opportunity, and they threw that one away. So in terms of where they need to do, the magic number is still five, in that I do not believe that if this team finishes above 500 in the Big Ten, given how talented the Big Ten has been this year and how deep it is, that the committee is going to turn away that team. It is still plausible to me, though it would depend very much on which wins they pick up, that they might be able to make it in with 10, assuming they win one game in the Big Ten tournament, but I don't think realistically that's something that anyone should bake on. So you got to get to at least five more wins from here. Two of those wins have to be Northwestern and Nebraska, because both of those teams are hot garbage, and that would mean bad losses, and for a team that is already skin of its teeth, bubble you can't have any bad losses the rest of the way so at that point we now need to find three more wins on the season there's two there are three away there are two away games that are not inclusive of northwestern that's indiana on the road and wisconsin on the road i happen to think that minnesota matches up very favorably against wisconsin so you could see that being a win but uh this as Steve pointed out, Minnesota on the road is hot garbage the vast majority of the time. So now we're saying you got to win basically all of them at home. You do happen to have three home games. One of them is coming up against Iowa. So in that sense, yeah, it's a must win. The Gophers also are in a situation where beating Iowa sets up. This is a, they're going to play three games in a week. They're going to play Iowa, Indiana, and then go on the road to Northwestern. So you beat Iowa if you can then turn that momentum and feeling comfortable into beating Indiana and go into Northwestern and get a win there, 
three wins in a row coming back home against a good Maryland team gives you another great opportunity for another quad one win and gets close to kind of cementing yourself into very clear tournament conversation with three three games to play, one of which you still have to win, which is the Nebraska game. I think that's the best path forward. The most optimistic scenario, and I will note that this is true as an optimistic scenario, is that Minnesota can win their remaining seven games because there are two speeds that Steve mentioned, and one of those speeds is the team that can score 40 points in 13 minutes against a very good defensive team. If that team shows up, especially at home, there are very few teams in the country that can compete with them. It's just that team has only shown up occasionally all season, which is why we're talking about a team as a bubble team, as opposed to something where we're having a similar conversation, but we're looking at like how high can their seed be in the NCAA tournament. Steve, what uh, what's your feeling? Do you think they beat Iowa? Do you think they start off this potentially great stretch, or... You know, is it another disappointment for us? I feel like this game is a great barometer for how the rest of the season is going to go. Um, you look at the last four games, they've lost three of four with a big win over Wisconsin where they looked utterly dominant. Um, very confusing, a little head scratching. Um, they've had a week off. They played really well after that week off when they came in to, to host Wisconsin and played really, really well um, after getting um, beaten down by Illinois. So to Street's point, there's seven games left. All those any game this year in the Big Ten seems winnable unless you're playing against Michigan State or against your, if you're playing on the road uh, in a day game on the weekend for the for this team. So you get Iowa at home after a week off. I feel like if they come out and win that game, any game is winnable for the rest of the year. You got a nice little Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday cadence for the rest of the year. Seven games left, equally dispersed against home and away opponents. Um, if you get Iowa, um, if, if you get them in a good day, um, on Sunday, like I said, with a, with, with some rest, it's a very winnable game. And you turn that again into momentum against Indiana Northwestern, the games are winnable. And I think, again, that sets the tone for the rest of the season, um, as sort of like a reset, right? So you're getting, like I said, six days off, here we go down the stretch. Let's make it happen. Um, I think it's winnable. Um, it, after Iowa's getting beaten down here again by, um, Indiana, I think that they, yeah, it's it's on the table. If you get if you get Marcus Carr, Daniel Oturu, and one more unnamed source who can score some points, this team can pretty much beat anybody. It's just been a question of who is that third scorer going to be, and how are they going to come to life? If you had to pick a most likely uh, candidate for that third scorer, Steve, who would you pick for for this weekend? I like Peyton Willis. I've liked him the whole season. I think he's been a little bit stressed out by injuries. Um, I guess last game was a little concerning for me just because I thought he was healthy and kind of laid an egg, especially after coming off a career high um, against Wisconsin. But I still think that Willis is that guy who should, who can and should be your, your third scorer. Um, If you would ask me a couple weeks ago, I probably would have said Alejandro Mir, but um, I, I really think Peyton Willis is that, dynamic third score that this team needs and if he is finally showing himself to be healthy and can be a, a 30 plus minute contributor down the stretch and make you know score 10 points a game um that really adds a, a a scoring dynamic that this team desperately needs to be more consistent street you've uh outlined you know your most optimistic take do you think that uh 
Minnesota picks up the win over Iowa uh, coming up? Yeah, I do. I think that they'll match up much better at home than they did on the road. I think Iowa also will definitely come in angry. I don't think it'll be hard for either team to get up for this one. But my general view is that Minnesota plays substantially better at home than they do on the road, and that in particular Gabe Kalsher plays much better at home than on the road. I might have answered your question that you posed to Steve that Gabe Kalsher will be the third scorer. My prediction for the rest of the season is that Kalsher will be much closer to a 40% three-point shooter than the like 25-ish or 30-ish percent shooter he's been for most of the season, and in part because I think that shot has started to drop a little bit more. He's been a little bit more aggressive going to the hoop to get some openings, and I think that confidence is building up. So that's positive. I think that they this game will be very close, but I think Minnesota pulls it out by about six. All right, so optimism. Optimism as we close out this great takes. Um... I guess we'll just have to see how it goes. I, I would be, I'm, you know, having missed a, a whole stretch, not being in the country, uh, it's it's felt a little slow getting back into things. But at this point, I'm really mentally ramping up for an NCAA tournament, uh, enjoying the NCAA tournament, I should say, and it'll be a lot more fun if the Gophers are there. Last year was, uh, I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed the experience a lot more with the Gophers in than, than out. So bubble team or not, I just want to see um, the Gophers go dancing. So everyone, uh, we will of course have our thoughts about uh, what happened in both the Iowa and Indiana games next week when we return with another episode of the Sky U podcast. But in the meantime, go Gophers. Sky U Ma, row the boat. <laughs>